This is Raider Nation Radio 920. Unnecessary roughness. Unnecessary roughness. I think this, that somewhere within the first five to ten plays of the game, the other team's quarterback must go down. And he must go down hard. It's unnecessary roughness here on Raider Nation Radio 920. Big hole. First down. End zone. Touchdown. Touchdown, Raiders. Would you believe it? This is unnecessary roughness on Raider Nation Radio 920. Here's your boy, Q. Kicking off hour number two of the show here on Raider Nation Radio 920. It's time to take a, a deep dive into the next opponent up on the schedule for the Silver and Black, and that is the Washington football team. Currently, they're on a three-game winning streak. And to help us break it down and, and get to know this Washington football team a little bit closer is Ben Ben Standig from The Athletic. Does a fantastic job covering the Washington football team like a glove. Find him on Twitter at Ben Standig. And Ben, thank you so much for your time. And as I mentioned, three-game winning streak right now for the Washington football team what has changed for them we know that they're a strong defensive team but they're finding ways to win games and they've done it the last three weeks in a row what has changed and what is going really well for them right now yeah you know at a very basic level i think they're just playing with more focus uh i don't want to say harder but i think they're playing with more focus earlier in the year ron rivera constantly talked about needing to see more maturity and discipline from his team not primarily his defense which underachieved it's got a lot of potential, but underachieved uh, for the first eight games when they went two and six. But since they came out of the bye week, the last three games, it's been a more determined group. They've talked about how, you know, look, teams old players will say, oh, we really practice hard. But these guys have really made the point of saying, yeah, no, no, we turned it up in practice um, in recent days, uh, you know, since the bye week, have been more physical, and that's led to, to that in games. I think that the first game out of the bye week, they upset Tampa Bay. Mm-hmm. So my eye really did think it was just a matter of, they were the team that wanted it more, as cliche as that sounds. And then in the game since, you know, they're, they're just the team um, that's been making plays more specifically to the field. They have been crushing teams in time of possession, long drives, sustained drives. The ground game has been huge to that uh, the last couple of weeks. Antonio Gibson has really, uh, he was dealing with a shin injury earlier in the year, but he's been really strong the last few weeks. J.D. McKissick had two touchdowns as well. And also that a lot of that is Taylor Heineke, you know, their underdog quarterback who, most of the conversation about him is constantly is what he isn't, but what he is is a guy who gives you a lot um, from a, a, an attitude standpoint. And, you know, he, he's going to play hard, and he's been making fewer mistakes of late. He makes plays with his legs, and he's just able to help them sustain drives. And doing so has helped the defense stay fresh, which has led to their improvement as well. So, you know, it really is sort of one side of the ball helping the other, and uh, it's been there easily their best the best stretch of the year. Yeah, and I'm definitely going to get to the defensive side of things. I want to talk about them, but you said Taylor Heineke, and I, I want to key in on him because I feel like that this team, the more that you watch him, and of, of course we all got to see him on the national stage on Monday Night Football, it feels like this whole team, offensively and defensively, is really rallying around him, and he's just got that Something about him, Ben, where is, is he's not expected to be the greatest quarterback in the league, but he's just got that confidence and something about him where he, he's going to go out there and give you everything he's got. Yeah, I mean, look, he, he's an underdog story. I have a story up today where it just went up on The Athletic about how Washington is kind of turning this around in part because they've got a lot of guys like Heineke, undrafted free agents or like seventh-round picks who are playing big roles, and those guys, you know, there's usually some sort of chip on the shoulder scenario. Heineke certainly has has that literally one year ago today is when he 
started to go through the, the quarantine process with Washington to get to their practice squad. And before that, he was sleeping on his sister's couch thinking his NFL career was probably close to being over. Um, but he comes in and he's unafraid. I think everybody saw that in that playoff game last year against Tampa Bay, um, where he went, you know, toe to toe with Tom Brady and the, and the team that eventually won the Super Bowl. And then he's come back out this year, despite every game, it feels like Washington is going up against a legitimate, you know, big name quarterback, including obviously this week against uh, Derek Carr. And he has been, he, he doesn't blink. And that's not just Moxie when the game starts. I'm talking about when the chips are down. Multiple games this year, he's, he's been the guy who's led a late drive to either, you know, bring them back, seal the win, what have you. And there's something to be said for that. We see lots of athletes in all kinds of sports, big stars who shy away in final moments. This kid doesn't. And that attitude, the belief that you can get it done, I think is really carrying over to the rest of the team. So, you know, he's, he's not the tallest guy. He doesn't have the biggest arm. And we'll see what, what he is long term. But right now, his... His moxie really is something, and it's helping them win games. Well, I'll tell you, it helped him win games on Monday against uh, the Seahawks. He, to me, looked more like Russell Wilson than Russell Wilson looked like Russell Wilson on Monday night. I mean, he just he was hard to bring down whenever Seattle got into the backfield. It's just like it almost feels like he's one of those guys that gives you everything he has on every single play. Yeah, no, I mean, you may right. And the Russell Wilson comparison is an obvious one. Two guys who are probably, if we pull out the measuring probably you know, both under six feet tall, mm-hmm. but they can make plays with their legs. Um, you don't always know how they get it done, but they get it done. But, right, Russell Wilson has looked off this year, and Taylor Heineke was the guy making the plays. And, uh, yeah, I mean, it's been remarkable. And I think what's going to become interesting, he's also been doing this with a ton of injuries. They, they haven't had basically Curtis Samuel for most of the year after signing him as a free agent. Um, Logan Thomas, the only tight end or really any consequence, to be honest, uh, has have been out from week four until just returning – this week, they've had. They're currently on their fourth string center. Um, their starting right tackle was placed on IR. Brandon Scherf, their best uh, offensive lineman and arguably their best player on offense in terms of you know, pound for pound, he missed several games and was on was uh, out as well. So Heineke's been doing all this with not a full complement of pieces around him. He does have Terry McLaurin, who's one of the best wide receivers in football, but at the same time, you know, he he he's had to do a lot. With you know, I wouldn't say a little, but a lot with without the full complement of pieces, and you know he, he's done it well in part because he's got a lot of belief in his confidence in himself. And to be clear, that does get him in trouble at times. They'll make some aggressive throws that maybe he shouldn't, but he's starting to be uh, more particular with those with, with taking those chances, and he's pretty he's been pretty accurate with the football during this stretch. He's completing a really high percent of his passes. Talking to Ben Standig right now from The Athletic, getting a full uh, little preview of the Washington football team as they're going to be taking on the Raiders at Allegiant Stadium on Sunday. And so we definitely want to dive into them. And and you mentioned Terry McLaurin. Of course, they got the run game as well. Uh, to me, when I'm watching Washington go out there and compete each and every week, to me, they feel like one of those teams that they want to run the ball, run the ball, run the ball. And they want to, they'll, they'll, in the passing game, they'll take what the defense gives them. And that goes to that that uh, you know time of possession that you're talking about. They want to play basically keep away from from the opposing team. Well, that's what's been working. I think mean, one thing Ron Rivera has kind of revealed over the last few days is that when they had their bye week and they were trying to sort through what they do, you know, what, what do they need to do to fix this? And they determined that I haven't mentioned really the offensive line much here. Their offensive line has been the strength of this team. There were some questions going into the year because of some new personnel. They were going to have two new starting tackles. And, um, the offensive line has been stellar, even with constant changes, as I mentioned earlier, so from that, they determined that 
they needed to do a better job or, or put more emphasis on running the ball. Part of the reason, like I said, they couldn't earlier was Gibson was hurt, but I guess he's been, he's healthier now. And, uh, you know, he, he's been really strong. J.D. McKissick is a, more of a the passing down back, but he can also, you know, sw- uh, wiggle in and out of, 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 uh, of into holes and out of holes and things along those lines. So the emphasis on that uh, run game has turned things around. That, of course, has helped churn up the clock, but it's also given Taylor Heineke the chance to do play-action passes, and he's really thrived in the, in that spot as well. So, you know, it's it's always, it's, it's, always, it's rarely ever one thing that turns something around, but, um, you know, it's a combination of things. But one good thing, you know, the running game is leading to other things, and, and, and that's, you know, really helping them. And like I said, in turn, it's keeping the defense off the field. And, and that's making a big deal compared to where things were earlier in the year. You mentioned injuries a little bit earlier, and we saw on Monday some guys get banged up and injured. You saw a couple guys that uh, look like they're in concussion protocol. Of course, Landon Collins, he got banged up a little bit. What's the injury report looking like right now as far as, uh, as, far as the Washington football team goes? Yeah, I mean, obviously it's Wednesday, so we've got a couple days to go. Landon Collins, you mentioned, um, he, he didn't practice today with a foot, but I don't know if I get a sense that that was a huge deal. J.D. McKissick is probably the one to watch. He left late in that game. Um, they're calling it a concussion now, so obviously when a player gets that, then, you know, you, you have to see if they're going to make it out of the protocol um, by game time. Uh, so that's one to watch because if they don't, you have Gibson, you have J- Jared Patterson, a really fun rookie, um, but he's uh, – you know, more of a he's like five foot nothing, but he's more of a power back than he is a pass catcher. He can catch a little bit, um, so that would be an element that they would potentially lose there. But Gibson is also a guy who was a former wide receiver in college who can catch passes as well. But McKissick's been effective, so that's probably the biggest one to watch. I, I, I would say, um, like I said, they did put uh, Sam Cosme, their starting right tackle, on IR right before the game on Sunday. Cornelius Lucas has filled in a, a bunch of the last couple of years, either on the left or the right side, so there probably won't be a huge gap there. But another thing, uh, another change in the lineup, and it probably at, in, in, at center, uh, Keith Ismail, the aforementioned four-string center, he is looking like the potential starter because the two two other guys are either limited or didn't practice today. So, um, you know, <laughs> there's still a bunch of changes, things up in the air, but McKissick and, and probably what happens at center are the two things to watch. Talking all things Washington football team right now with Ben Standick from The Athletic here on Raider Nation Radio 920. My man DeMont Cotton has a question for you. Go ahead, DeMont. Yeah, Ben, at the start of this month, this was a team that was 2-6. and six. So winning those three straight, have you seen anything that this team maybe thinks that the playoffs are now a possibility? And how has the, these three wins in a row like affected the pizza on Victory Wednesday? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, I mean, the uh, start with what's less important, and that's the uh, playoffs. Uh, the oh, pizza is always most important. Um, but look, they're the seventh seed right now. It's insane to me when they when they lost in Denver in Week Eight, the fall to two and six. Only the winless Detroit Lions had a worse record in the NFC mm. than Washington. And somehow, three games later, they're the seventh seed. I think that says more about the state of the NFC than it does Washington. But that's where they're at, and not only. That you look at the other teams around them. Minnesota just lost Dalvin Cook for several weeks. Carolina just lost Christian McCaffrey for the season. The Saints are, are, are reeling at quarterback. The Cowboys are dealing with a COVID outbreak. Um, the Giants may not have Daniel Jones this week. I saw that the Eagles may have some questions with Jalen Hurts' uh, health. So um, all the teams around them are falling apart. Washington's getting healthier and playing better. So that's all. That's all important. And as far as pizza goes, yeah, they they they. Uh, Team brings the, the, the media. I think this is what you mean. Team brings the, the, the media pizza on Wednesdays, and uh, 
today the order arrived just as Ron Rivera came in for his press conference. So he caught us as we were about to uh, gorge ourselves on that. So he, uh, <laughs> you know, I think I, th- I think he was given an eye to see uh, which, which reporters were, were indulging and uh, you know be, being mature and disciplined with their pizza selection. Did he grab a slice? <laughs> he he did not. He he showed discipline on on that front, but. Uh, you know, I'll, uh, I don't know if I give him credit or not. Maybe you know, come on, we're coach. You know, it's okay. We've had the the pizza has been out there uh, when they win. It shows on Wednesday. Uh, John Allen, who's been their best defensive player this year, he did grab one last week. Taylor Heineke sniffed around a couple weeks ago, but I think there was only veggie pizza left, and he wasn't a fan. <laughs> I like this it. This is the reporting I need. Hey, I ain't mad at that <laughs> at all. And you know what? I'm glad. Uh, I'm glad that Demond brought up Ron Rivera, and you brought up Ron Rivera. Uh, I have so much respect for that guy for uh, his coaching, just the kind of person he is. Everything, obviously, that he's gone through off the field. Uh, just how 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 much of a pleasure is it to to be able to cover a team that has Ron Rivera as the head man on the sideline? Um, well, look, I mean, I think Ron Rivera is about as respected as a, as a person there is around the league. It's you know, you can question. You know, he, he as a head coach, his teams have only had a winning record three out of his ten years, and obviously one was the highlight of the fifteen and one season with Carolina when they went to the Super Bowl, and things along those lines. But as a person, I mean, it is pretty hard to find somebody who's, who's more well respected than him, and he seems like a genuinely <clears throat> decent person. You know, obviously when you cover any kind of head coach, there's always ups and downs right. dealing with with that individual, and 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 so on and so on. But you know, look, I think the thing about this team that we haven't said as to why this turnaround is happening because this is two years in a row in Washington where they started slow and rallied late, and that was his. That, that's often what happened during his Carolina years as well. Um, I think it's a lot of it is he, whatever you want to say about him as a tactician, strategist, whatever, but like as a guy who connects with his players, I don't know if there's many coaches in the league who do a better job. It, he, he really likes to drop a lot of phrases, uh, like the kind of things you would hear from like a motivational speaker, um, and it's amazing how often you hear the players, just without even recognizing it, saying these things back to us when they come in to talk to us. And to me, that's a sign of players listening to their coach, being engaged with him. Um, and, and, and I think that's, that that's part of what you see when, um, what, what during, during this kind of a turnaround, um, they believe in him regardless of what's happening else, you know, with the, with the record and they this crazy stuff with the organization. And that says a lot about, uh, you know, who he is as, as a, as a person and a leader. Right. No doubt about it. And, and Ben, uh, we do appreciate your time. We only got a couple more questions for you uh, this afternoon. Uh, I want to know as far as the defense goes, they're, they're a really good unit. We know that uh, the team is, is hot right now on a three game winning streak. But if you saw an area that you could look at and identify as, okay, that is still the weak link part of this team. What would it be? Yeah, I mean, one of their issues most of the season has been they've been giving up big plays down the field they, um, in the passing game. Now, they, they, they did make a change during midway through the season so far where they moved Landon Collins from rather playing safety to more of a, a buff, what they call a buffalo nickel, sort of a hybrid safety linebacker. And that's taken him. He was, I think, one of the culprits with giving up some of the long plays. But the, the, Seattle did have a couple of big plays down the field. And I think that Seattle had some more shots available to them, but Russell Wilson was uh, <clears throat> unable to take advantage of it. So I think that's something to, to keep an eye on. They, they really only have one linebacker right now that you can feel pretty good about. That's Cole Holcomb. Their first-round pick, Jamin Davis, is still kind of learning the game. And one of their other starting linebackers, John Bostic, they lost for the year earlier on. And also, you know, look, no Chase Young, no Montez Sweat. Those are their two big edge pass rushers. Both of them are out right now with injuries Chase Young's done for the year. Replacing them is a seventh-round pick, an undrafted free agent, and, the, and their backups are similar guys with similar resumes. 
what those two, what, the, what those defensive ends have done is be provided. They know their roles. They stay in their lane, so to speak, and that's helping everybody else kind of do their job. But there's also a limited upside at those spots. You're not going to have the game-breaking plays that you would have from uh, Chase Young or Montez Sweat. So I think you know if the Raiders can figure out ways to to take advantage of that, uh, you know, to, uh, you know I, I think that's something. Uh, to keep an eye on, uh, particularly on defense. And final question for you, for the Washington football team to extend their winning streak from three to four games and really put themselves in a great position in the playoff uh, run uh, in the NFC, what do they need to do? I mean, the formula right now seems to be working. Control the clock, run the ball, play as mistake-free as possible. Um, and defensively, what, they, you know, they, what they've been better at is keeping plays in front of them for the most part, the so teams have not been able to have huge, uh, you know, deep, deep plays, big plays down the field. I mean, if they can maintain that, um, you know, I, I think you know, right now they're they're in a pretty good, they're in a pretty good spot. But it's you know, it's been hard to tell because you know, like these last two games, you know, Carolina, you know, I just don't, I, I we weren't sure how good they were, and you know, right. they don't look like to be that good. And Seattle's kind of falling apart, so you know, this will be an interesting test. I also don't know how good. Raiders are. I mean, they just had the big win against Dallas, but before that, they have what lost three in a row. So, mm-hmm. which 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 Vegas team shows up to play there? If you know Derek Carr is obviously dangerous, and um, you know there's you know I'm not sure where things are with Darren Waller right now, but you know they've got players that can beat Washington. You know to hurt Washington, but. Washington's looking pretty good right now, so it's going to be an interesting game for sure. Yeah, no, it will be, and it's a, it's it's one of those leagues this year where it's just kind of week to week. You never really know, like you said, what team you're going to get with the Raiders. Never know what team you're going to get from Washington, but uh, right now Washington's cooking. You know, they're on that three-game winning streak, and with, as far as Darren Waller goes, he's week to week. He's got this IT band strain that sounds like he's probably going to miss this week. I mean, that's that would be my gut feeling. It's not official yet, but he didn't participate in practice today. I think he's not going to play, uh, but so Washington may avoid him, but they still, you know, have other weapons on on that offense that they got to account for. But it sounds like Darren Wall is probably not going to play on Sunday. Got it. All right. Well, obviously, that's, that's like you said. It's just kind of where things are going for Washington right now. Just nothing was working right in the first eight games, and now all of a sudden, every team they're playing, something is going on with them one way or the other. And to not have Darren Waller. Uh, he's like a guy, obviously, every team, every defense is afraid of him. But for Washington in particular, with their weaknesses, I think he would have been a real huge problem. But, you know, if he's not there, that's good for them. Right. No doubt about it. Ben, well, we appreciate your time. Great stuff. Uh, what do you got coming out on The Athletic? I know you mentioned a piece that you had just put out on Heineke. What do you got coming out where maybe uh, Raider Nation could get a deeper dive into Washington? Yeah, well, like I said, the story I had up just, just went up right before I called you guys, or you guys called me, I should say, um, is about how many of these sort of um, – Unheralded players have really been helping them out, and then uh, you know had my, my my recap off of the game um, the the other night. Uh, you sort of looked at uh, um, you know Taylor Heineke as, as well, and I did a story with David Aldridge that yes, that David Aldridge who uh, is my colleague at the Athletic about what Washington's future is at quarterback and how much and whether Taylor Heineke is is, is part of it. And uh, you know it's a it's an interesting team right now to say the least. So yeah, definitely appreciate anybody taking a look. Absolutely. Well, Ben, thank you so much uh, for your time, man. Great stuff. I think we all have a much better idea now what to expect from the Washington football team as they make their way to Las Vegas on Sunday. Uh, will we see you at Allegiant Stadium? Are you going to be in the press box? Uh, you, this, this, I, I know coaches say don't look ahead of the schedule. I've been looking ahead of the schedule <laughs> for weeks. I'm in uh, Vegas. is one of my favorite places to go. So, yes, I, I will be there looking forward to it. All right. Well, we welcome you in with open arms, my man. We appreciate you. We'll see you on Sunday. Thanks so much.
All right, there he goes, Ben Standig. Hey, I ain't mad at him, man. At least he's honest and said, hey, I've been looking forward to this day, you know, and that's what folks do. When I was in Central Texas and the draft was supposed to be here, I had got my ticket, my flight already. I was I was good to go, man. I couldn't wait to get to Vegas. And, well, we all know how that shook out. But, yeah, man, this is, again, like we tell everyone all the time, destination, location. Good little uh, preview right there on the Washington football team, DeMond. You got a better idea now what to expect? Yeah, and, and it, like, because when I was looking at their schedule, I'm like, man, they red hot right now. Red hot. They're like my shirt. Because, <laughs> <laughs> like, a mu- at the start of November, th- they probably were down in the dumps, man. We'll, yeah. We suck. Two and six. Two and six. And now, now they're right in the thick of things. Exactly. I think, and I, I won't, maybe, maybe not even wanted to ask him, but it's just like, hey, when you beat Tampa Bay, I think that gets the ball rolling. Oh, yeah. When you defeat when If you, you can the defeat Super, the Super Bowl champions, yeah. absolutely. And now they just got the ball rolling. So I think it's going to be tough just with a team like that momentum. Because people were asking Derek this today at the press conference, where it's just like, oh, do you think this run, that, like this win against the Cowboys, can start a run for the team? And mm-hmm. Derek, yeah, I think so. But I think Washington is showing us that big that big win can start something for the you team. You can. If you take a win that's against a big-time team, big-time opponent like Tampa Bay, like you're saying, you can get momentum from that. And you can build on that. Washington's done that. If you take a, a, a game like, like the Raiders just won on Thanksgiving against the Cowboys, you can build on that. You can run with that. You can see what's working. You heard Ben. They give up big plays. So guess what? Go make a big play. You know what I mean? Test them. Test their stones. You know what I'm saying? Like, hey, do you have the stones to stop Deshaun Jackson? Let me, I want to see it. They have a safety that can't cover as well. Right. Yeah. They, it sounded like Landon Collins was, was doing his best impersonation of Jonathan Abram. That's exactly who I thought of when he right. was speaking about I think that. everyone who was listening probably thought of that. They're like, okay, they moved him up in the box just like they moved Jonathan Abram. And look, that's a position too. That's a key cog. Abram has played a big role. And he could play even bigger role. He's got to be that guy that's down there physical. He's going to have to be needed in a major way this week against the run. Because those guys are going to run the rock. They, can, they Gibson ran the wall 29 times last week on Monday. 29 times. You know what that is? Commitment to the run. They, they are going to run, to run the ball, run the ball, and keep away. You heard him say that. They don't want to give the ball. They want to keep that time of possession. One quick text, and then we'll take a break. Uh, this comes from Rob in Oakland, the 510. He said, Q. I think this Washington team is going to strain every one of our position groups on Sunday. Everyone has to step up. I'm worried about Brandon Parker. I'm actually always worried about Parker's poor blocking and, uh, and penchant for dead ball and live play penalties. Hopefully, JDR and Ron Rivera don't target him. I don't believe Parker will hold up. I'd have a low threshold for playing Illuminor. Right now, Washington is feeling themselves in a major way. I hope our defense can get a few big turnovers and hit the end zone cameras with defense-wide thiz faces. <laughs> That's what I'm talking about. Hit him with the Thea's face and then and then flash into the press box where DeMond is with his media relations jacket on and see if he got his Thea's face on too. I'm going to need to teach you that, man. I'm going to need to learn you. I'll learn it up right during the commercial break. All right. That's his sign of saying, go on and take a commercial break. 325 is the time we're going to do exactly that. Coming up next, Gary Myers. He's got a great last name. Co-author of RG3's book, Surviving Washington. He's good the right way. What? even spelled the right way exactly exactly we couldn't afford an extra e you know what i mean m-y-e-r-s no extra e in our spelling gary myers he'll be up next this is radio nation radio 920 welcome back to unnecessary roughness here on raider nation radio 920 i'm gonna have to kick you you know what today here's your boy q 
3.31 is the time here on Unnecessary Roughness, Radio Nation Radio 920. Show has been going by fast and furious, and we're going to keep the party rolling right now. Very excited about our next guest, Gary Myers, co-author of RG3's book that uh, we started talking about yesterday, Surviving Washington. And uh, Gary, thank you so much for your time this afternoon. And off top, I got to say, uh, I could appreciate your last name being Myers without the extra E, as I, too, am a Myers without the extra E. So I could appreciate that. We, we got to stick together because there's not a lot of us. No, no, there's not. And my dad gets so mad when people misspell my name or my last name and says, e- e- we don't have the extra E. He gets so fired up about that. I know. I've been living that with my whole life, as I'm sure you have. And, uh, you know, you get tired of correcting people somehow. But if that's the worst thing you got to deal with, then you're doing okay. Then you're doing all right. Yeah, it's just something at some point you just say, hey, you know what? All right, fine. Okay. <laughs> you're not going to get it. That's fine. You can find Gary on Twitter at Gary Myers NY. And again, that's Myers with no extra E M Y E R S N Y. And Gary, let's jump right into it. This uh, this book, Surviving Washington, RG3, I was very familiar with, covered him while he was at Baylor, uh, worked in Central Texas for a long time. So I know him. Uh, there's a lot surrounding the Washington football team. While you were, you know, participating in everything that took place to help, you know, put this book together, I mean, what, what was one of the biggest things that really stood out to you? Wow. Um, just the level of friction, I guess, um, that Robert uh, talks about between Snyder and, and Shanahan. He was kind of caught in the crossfire of that his rookie year because it was pretty apparent that when Washington traded up the four spots to get to get him uh, before the draft, when they made that trade with with the Rams, that was completely driven by Snyder and not Shanahan, which mm. Robert didn't know. Right. So he walked into a situation where the coach didn't want him, but Shanahan put on a an act, I guess you'd have to call it, you know, saying that you wouldn't be here if I didn't want you. And Robert thought he was. Shanahan's guy, but it turned out that he wasn't. Wow, yeah, that's that's something right there. I remember even going to uh, Pro Day for uh, RG3 mm-hmm. at Baylor, and I remember Shanahan being there, and I remember hearing the rumors that Snyder's the one who really, really wanted him, but just to, you know, to hear that friction, uh, I mean, a young man, as a rookie in the league, I mean, you can't help but to get caught in the crossfires. I mean, veterans would get caught in the crossfires, but a rookie, that had to really be a, a, like a lot of strain on his mental, you know, just, just in his mind, it's just that's a lot of friction for a rookie to try to have to take a, you know, take in. You know what? See, just to accurately portray this, he wasn't aware right away right. that that existed. It wasn't until after he got hurt at the end of his rookie year and then, you know, came, came back um, for actually for the first game of his second year and things didn't go well that he really became aware that Shanahan never wanted him in the first place and actually preferred Kirk Cousins. So, um, you know, even so, to be 23 years old at that point in his second year and and thinking you have the full support of the organization, which the quarterback has to have mm-hmm. to be successful, and instead you find out that it's a major source of, um, there was a major source of disagreement between the guy who owns the team and the guy who's got your football future, you know, in his hands because he's the coach and they're pulling in opposite directions, it makes it very difficult to succeed. You know, that being said, he was spectacular his rookie year, mm-hmm. um, and it wasn't until, you know, hurting his knee 
you know, not once but twice in the uh, playoff game against Seattle that year that things really fell apart. Right, and I, I remember that game like it was yesterday, and, and that field mm-hmm. was notorious for uh, you know for tearing up uh, athletes' bodies, and and you could just see RG 3s leg out there, and you just knew that he wasn't right. And I mean that that's just one of those things. And and Gary, there's been so many reports from multiple players, not just RG three, but multiple players about the medical staff there uh, in Washington. I mean, how much is this documented in the book Surviving Washington? Uh, yeah, I mean that's that's a good question, and. Um you know, what people don't know is Dr. James Andrews, who is, you know, the foremost orthopedic, sports orthopedic doctor in the country, was Washington's game day sideline doctor. And so when Robert was injured the first time against Seattle, um, Andrews cleared him to go back in the game. And Shanahan said, well, the doctor says, okay, if you want to do it, yeah, you're in. But it, um, you know, it became clear maybe in the first series after that injury that he just wasn't capable of protecting himself in the pocket, and I mean, he couldn't move around at all, and his game was just so heavily based on his legs that um, I think Shanahan, you know, did him a disservice and definitely did the team a disservice by keeping him in the game because their offense basically shut down after that injury and then he wound up tearing the ACL uh, reaching down for a bad shotgun snap you know about halfway through the fourth quarter and you know for when now with the benefit of hindsight um, you can say that that ACL tear which was you know he had it at Baylor also as you know um, that effectively ended his career Mm -hmm. even though he kept playing he was never close to the same player again. And um, it's really a shame because he, he was so great for his rookie year, and he was this bright new face with a great personality and a big smile and, and, a, and a terrific player that he's, it's, he's got one of those careers that you just look at and you say, you know, what if? Right. What if he just stayed healthy? Right. Yep, exactly right. I mean, the guy brought energy. He brought excitement. He brought that, you know, that that like you said, that big smile. And that's just it's infectious. And that's just who who Robert is. We're talking right now with Gary Myers, co-author of Surviving Washington. That's RG3's book that's going to be coming out next year. And we had earlier on the show, we had Megan Embert on the show. She's a former Washington football team employee. Uh, She's part of all the investigations that's going on. Uh, How much of the culture of the Washington football team is documented in this book? Yeah, we we spent a chapter on it and um some really interesting stuff that um I was not aware of, you know, directly involving him. Right. That he's tweeted a little bit about today and um mm-hmm. Yeah, I think it'll be pretty eye-opening. Yeah, you know, he's tweeted about, you know, he was talking about sexual harassment and most people thought he was talking about the young ladies, you know, that that were involved and mm-hmm. he said my own experience with it. And again, I don't want you to give the story away, but I mean, sounds like it's some pretty deep, heavy stuff. Yeah, I think he's going to be uh, clarifying that and shedding some light on that um, maybe the next few days or, or something going forward because, you know, th- there has been some criticism of him, you know, um, if he saw sexual harassment going on, why didn't he do anything about it, or why has he waited now until now to discuss it? So, 
as, as you mentioned in, in his tweet, you know, he's really talking about what he experienced. Right. And it, you can't tell anybody who's experienced sexual harassment, you know, when they should tell their story. It has to be during a period of time that they're comfortable with. So um, I think a lot of the criticism is, is misguided right now because, um, you know, the intention was not to tell the full story until the book came out. Right. Right, exactly. But it's become such a hot-button topic the last two days, just, you know, what did he see, what did he know, what did he experience, why didn't he say anything, that, um, you know, he, he, he has started to clarify it uh, with some stuff on Twitter, and, you know, I was talking to him today about whether he's going to go a step further with that. He was just trying to figure that out. Right. You know, it should be interesting. And I, like I said, I did catch I saw him, you know, catching a lot of heat for it. But then I also saw him clarifying it. I saw his wife clarifying it. And I thought that that mm-hmm. was, you know, that was a good step for him uh, just to do that. And, and that just, man, that really opened my eyes uh, around the situation as well. And so uh, with the investigation that went on and and ultimately the big result, and we, we paid really good attention around uh, here on Raider Nation Radio 920 because John Gruden ultimately has to, you know, resign because of his own wrongdoings. His emails come out. But uh, how mm-hmm. much of maybe that investigation and even leading all the way up to, you know, present day where Gruden steps down, how much of that is involved in, in the book, if any? Well, I, it, it, as far as Gruden stuff, he just comments on it. Okay. Um, he had no direct knowledge of what was going on. In fact, he didn't know much about any sexual harassment was going on in, in terms of the women in the organization who stepped forward. So, um, the, I mean, he, he raises the issue as I think everybody did, like why didn't the NFL have a written report to release? Mm-hmm. You know, why were the only emails that were leaked out, you know, about Gruden, you know, from my own personal opinion, you know, clearly somebody was out to get Gruden because out of the hundreds of thousands of the emails or whatever the number was, I forget at this point, you know, how is it possible that those are the only ones that leaked out? They were only about them, a series of emails. Um, you know, so he comments on that, but again, you know, it's no direct knowledge of that. He wasn't privy to the, any of those emails. Right, right, no doubt. I just was wondering how much, uh, you know, he, and I'm sure he probably has, you know, not recollection of it or no, knowledge of it, like you mentioned, but he probably can understand and say, okay, that makes sense, knowing what he does know about the organization. And when we had uh, Megan on, she was saying that her personal feeling is that Daniel Snyder himself is the one who uh, who really leaked those emails. Is that something that you think that, that or you hear from RG3 that maybe – Maybe Daniel would have done, or does he just have no clue? No, I mean, he, he would just be guessing. Right, um, right. I mean, who knows? Yeah. Certainly a lot of people have been guessing that it was Snyder. Um, but why? Um, you know, was it, would it be to take the, the focus off the sexual harassment part of the investigation? Was it to get back at Bruce Allen because they had a, uh, a rough parting? Uh, did he have something against? John Gruden because his brother, you know, coached for him, and maybe when when Jay Gruden left there, that he was on bad terms with Stein. I mean, there's all kinds of theories out there. I mean, you, you can, if you try hard enough, you can you can make a case for a lot of different people. But, <laughs> right. Um, it, it, I'm not sure it's really fair to Snyder, although he generates no sympathy. 
because of the kind of person he is and at least how he's perceived. Um, but is it really fair to him to point a finger at him when nobody, I mean, I can't say nobody knows who it was, but I would imagine it's a very small circle of people who know who actually leaked those emails. Right, or, or just the person who leaked them. <laughs> I mean, it could be, right. as, it, it could be mean, as little as that. We're talking with Gary Myers right now. He's the co-author of RG3's book that's coming out next year called Surviving Washington. My man, DeMond Cotton's here in the studio. I wanted to ask you a question as well. Yes, Gary, in your previous books, these are books that I'm sure you, you've got to do a lot of research, talking to a lot of people. Now, is this book, is it strictly autobiographical from Robert's perspective and what he experienced, or was there research talking to other people and getting their perspective on some things as well? You know, that's a great question. My, fi- my first five books were involved a ton of research in, in, in addition to doing a lot of interviews. Uh, this is the first book where I have co-authored a memoir, and there was no research in terms of, you know, interviewing other people. Um, I did a lot of fact-checking to make sure that the sequence of events were as Robert remembered it. You know, because, I mean, he's talking about the first 30 years of his life, and uh, he did a lot of moving around at the beginning, and um, and then, you know, to, to make sure I had everything in the, in the right sequence. And then when he's talking about games, specific games and you know at what point in the game things happen you know the the research material is ready readily available so i was able to fact check them on a bunch of stuff but in, in if i was writing a biography and and not co-authoring uh, an autobiography I, I would have talked to probably 50 to 100 people about him um and putting to get putting it together but this is just his story as he saw it and experienced it. So um, it was not necessary for me in this case to like interview Snyder and Shanahan and, and all those people. Um, it probably just would have muddied the water in a <laughs> right. way in a, in a way that you know if they're contradicting Robert's story on. It, like I said, it just would have been different if I was writing a, a biography. No, it makes sense. In which case, I would have done a ton of research. Right. That makes a lot of sense. It really does. And I look forward to the book in a major way. Uh, Again, knowing Robert pretty well, uh, you know, I'm always interested in what he has to say. And so uh, the book is set to release, I believe, in August of 2022? Yeah, August 9th, 2022. You can go on Amazon or wherever uh, and pre-order. And I'll tell you this, that um, I know it's still a long way out there. I was, and I was just shocked. At the at the response that is still going on right now, mm-hmm. the only way to really judge sales is you look at the Amazon rankings. And those of us who've written books become addicted to looking at the Amazon right. rankings. But for a book that's not coming out for eight months, that's right now the third biggest selling football book on the market. It, it's pretty incredible, and um, I think people really get to like this book. I mean, Robert's a very very bright guy. Um, not afraid to speak his mind, as you'll see when you read the book. And uh, I think people are really going to enjoy it. And it will be eye-opening in a lot of areas. Yeah, I, I'll tell you what, when I saw the video and him make the announcement about the book, I mean, it caught my attention in a major way, and I wanted to get on it quick, fast, and in a hurry. And so, uh, yeah, I look forward to it. And, man, number three tells you all that you need to know. Uh, when what was the announcement made yesterday, right? Wasn't the first day yesterday? Yeah, it was just yesterday at, you know, 9 o'clock Eastern time. So, <laughs> It's been, you know, a day and a half or whatever, and 
I don't know how many books have been pre-ordered. I can just all I know is where it is in the rankings. And right. I'll, I'll find out from the publisher at some point. But uh, the reaction has been overwhelming, which which is great because he's got a just a really compelling, powerful story to tell. Right, absolutely, I believe it, and and I can't wait to check it out and 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 get a you know up close and personal uh, look at it, and uh, yeah, it's going to be something. August twenty twenty two is when it's dropping. Gary Myers, co-author of Surviving Washington, uh, the story about RG three from his point of view, is everything that was going on with the Washington football team. Uh, Gary, thank you so much for your time. I appreciate you giving a preview of the book, and uh, we look forward to reading it when it comes out. Uh, thanks so much for having me on. I really appreciate it. Happy holidays to everybody. Absolutely. Happy holidays, too, my man. I do appreciate you. And, of course, anyone that uh, shares the Myers last name and, uh, you know, doesn't have that extra E, it's all right with me. I know my dad would approve as well. That's Gary Myers. You can find him on Twitter, at Gary Myers NY. Uh, lots of good stuff right there. And this book, man, number three, it was just announced yesterday, is incredible. Uh, that's that's going to be that's gonna be something right there. And I, I definitely look forward to, to checking it out and doing a deep dive on it just to see exactly what he's got to say about the friction there, uh, the sexual harassment stuff going on there, and the investigations uh, that led to it and everything else that has to do with that Washington football team. 3.48 is the time. We'll come back, close out the show. This is Unnecessary Roughness on Radio Nation Radio 920. Welcome back to Unnecessary Roughness. Here on Raider Nation Radio 920. I'm going to have to kick you, you know what, today. Here's your boy Q. Now, you want to talk about going fast and furious. Exactly what we did on today's show. Went from zero to 100 real quick. Uh, Many thanks to Megan Imbert, former Washington football team employee. Part of the lawsuit and the investigation against the Washington football team. Ben Standig from The Athletic covers the Washington football team like a glove, does a fantastic job. We'll be here in Vegas on Sunday at Allegiant Stadium. And then Gary Myers, just heard from him, co-author of Surviving Washington. If there's something that you have, you still have a question about Washington, then, I mean, that's on you. (laughs) If you got a question about the Washington football team, that's on you. We went hard in the paint with Washington. We go hard in the paint with the Raiders every single day, but now we just took took a deep dive into that team up in D.C., the Washington football team. So uh, we'll have Vinny Bonsignor, he's going to be coming up live next for the next couple hours. Him and Lincoln Kennedy uh, live from the Intermountain Healthcare Performance Center. I think he's in the media room. He'll be hanging out there. Uh, do we have him right now? Is that what you're telling me, or do we have a caller? We got a caller. Oh, okay. Well, let's get a caller in real quick before the show's over. My bad. I didn't realize that. Who's on Who's on deck? ABA Ivan Davis. Oh, man. ABA Ivan Davis calling from the 510. What's up, my man? Hey, how's it going? Q, I'm blessed. I probably got about th- uh, me too. <laughs> uh, I, I just want to, uh, I'm glad somebody mentioned uh, passing because I really think we're going to have to pass to set up the run against Washington. I'm looking at their secondary. I don't see I don't see how they can cover us at all, even without Waller. Okay, I don't see how they can cover us. And uh, if we do that, make them play nickel and dime coverage, I think we'll be able to uh, run the football, take some stress off the uh offensive line and so uh that's my take and oh uh, i sent you some pictures uh in twitter okay okay let me know what you think of them all right i'll check them out do you send it to my account or do you send it to radio nation radio 920 
Uh, your boy, uh, Q254. All right, I'll check it out right now. I'll check it out right now. Good stuff. Thank you so much. I do appreciate you. Uh, let's see. I got a couple more texts. Let me get to real quick before the show wraps up. And uh, as far as, you know, passing to set up the run, uh, yeah, that, that that would be a good strategy. You know, it really would. And, and again, I, I'd like to see the aggressiveness of Derek Carr like we saw on Thanksgiving Day against the Cowboys. I think that he did a really good job, and that's what he's going to need to do and really keep that up. Uh, we got a text from uh, Raider Reggie. He said, Q, is Raider Reggie uh, the main alpha dog? It has to be Derek Carr, but I'm desperate to see Josh Jacobs be the alpha dog. He should be. And I've been waiting for Josh to really break out, too. I mean, he had a good game against the Cowboys, had a good game against the Giants, but I just I want to see that vintage Josh Jacobs game again. It just We haven't seen it in a, in a while, but I would love to see it. Uh, we got a text from One Nation Jeff. He said, One Nation Jeff here, the alpha dogs we need are Jacobs and Drake. We need that running game to be effective to win in December. I agree with that. 100%. That's going to have to be a major, major key is being able to run the ball in December. You've got to be able to do that. One quick text. Big Dub Raider. The Alphas I'd like to see step up. KJ Wright on D and Josh Jacobs on O. Go Raiders. That is from Big Dub Raider. Vinny Bonsignor live from the Intermountain Healthcare Performance Center. He's coming up next with Lincoln Kennedy inside the huddle 4 to 6 p.m. right here on Raider Nation Radio 920. I'll holler.